Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With videos like this rap song from a MAGA teen, my guest today has taken Twitter by storm and fooled a lot of prominent liberals along the way. I'm a MAGA teen. I'm a MAGA teen. I'm here to burst your liberal spleen. Global warming is a hoax. COVID isn't real. My primary care doctor is Dr. Phil. I'm not joking. I'm not kidding. I'm a MAGA teen here to do the Lord's bidding. I think Trump is a pretty cool guy. I had to say that because my parents were nearby. Now they're gone, and I'm here to say, sorry, you had to see this today. I'm not actually a Republican. I'm only 16. I have to be homeschooled because my parents hate vaccines. If you think this is a cry for help, you're absolutely right. This is a cry for help. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and that was Blair Erskine in just one of the many videos that have made me laugh harder over this past year than pretty much anything else. Blair was performing stand-up comedy in her hometown of Atlanta when the pandemic hit last March, and like so many other comics, made a hard pivot to creating content online. Those videos, in which she mostly plays fictional characters kind of adjacent to well-known right-wing figures like Tom Cotton and Marjorie Taylor Greene, have blown up beyond her wildest dreams. They've also managed to fool media celebrities like Michael Moore, Katie Couric, and Joy Reid, all of whom thought that her video of a Trump supporter stranded outside after his freezing cold rally in Omaha last October was real. Blair's unique ability to ride that fine line between satire and reality is what made me fall in love with her comedy. And I bet you will fall in love with her as well after listening to this interview. So here's me with Blair Erskine. You have the whole setup. Most people I talk to are like, wait, what is happening? Like, you want me to record? Yeah, I, someone taught me. I feel, I feel like a pro. It's really not as complicated as I thought it was. Okay. Yeah, it was much easier when we used to do these in studios, but then we wouldn't be able to do it from across the country, so... That's true. Yeah. So there's there's pros and cons. Crazy time. Yeah. It feels like all pros for me. I hate saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been mostly upside. Yeah. Mostly upside. Okay. I think, yeah, I'm recording. So we're good. Awesome. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast, uh, you know, mostly because I think, I don't know if you know this, but you've become kind of like the favorite person at the Daily Beast um, internally. Like every time you put up a new video, it gets sent around our Slack. Everyone's obsessed with it. It's like everyone's very into it. That is so nice. Yeah, you guys, uh, Kevin Fallon was, I think, the first person to really interview me. Yeah, um, that was a great interview. Such a, yeah, such a nice write-up. Yeah, so I love you guys. That's so nice. Yeah, I love that he interviewed you in like the moment when all the Michael Moore stuff was happening. Right? Live, yeah. It yeah. was my phone. <laughs> was lighting up there because Michael Moore, my God, 
<laughs> yeah, he was there for it all. He was there for it all. Um, well, I feel like we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, but I want to start more at the beginning um, with your story and just how you how you started making these, you know, sort of improvisational very simple videos that have really taken off, um, you know, during this past year. So I guess maybe just to start, what was the, what was sort of the first one that you did that you thought, oh, maybe I, I have something here. So the first one, I started making them in March and I would, obviously I didn't have the following I have now. So only my friends were watching them and I would just sort of do what I'm doing now, just spoof people in the news. But in July that Dan Maples is his name and he was the guy in Costco who said he felt threatened, you know? And so I made, I I, I got I got off work that day and I was just exhausted and I was like I saw that he was trending and I googled to see if he had a, had a wife and he didn't seem to and I was like well I, I'll just pretend to be his wife and throw this <laughs> out there and um, you know I thought maybe 30 people would see it and I put my phone down and I got kind of tipsy and I looked at my phone and it had just blown up and ever since then I've just been competing with myself <laughs> to, <laughs> to try, try to do it <laughs> yeah I know that a lot of y'all have seen. Uh, that video of my husband Dan asserting his American rights in Costco. So um, I just really, I just want to clear a few things up about it, okay? Dan was not threatened <laughs> in the Costco. I know that he was like, I feel threatened. I feel threatened, but he was not threatened at all. He wasn't scared at all, were you, babe? No. No, see, I feel threatened is, um, it's actually our family's crest. So we just say it sometimes, like he said it to me in our wedding vows, you know? He was like, I feel threatened. And I was like, I do too. <laughs> ah. Think, do you think it just kind of naturally went uh, went viral that first time? Or was it to have to do with certain people retweeting it? Or do you remember? Natural. So I remember my friend Sarah Everett had, has, had a bigger following and she retweeted it. Somehow it got to, um, I think it was Rick Wilson. And I, I think that just it exploded on, you know, resistance Twitter, mm -hmm. as yeah. they call it. And um, <laughs> it just because, and you know, people thought I was his wife. If, if it had been an obvious sort of, you know, this is a skit I'm doing, it wouldn't have gone viral. Yeah. That's the thing that I've, I've found really fascinating about your work is that it rides this really fine line between it's very funny. And I think, I don't know, I, I don't have any issue like seeing it as comedy or understanding that it's comedy, but then all, but there have been all these people who really seem to be confused and think that, that it's real. So it's like, it's, it's kind of close enough to something that could be real just because the world is so insane that it, it kind of makes sense. Is that, was that the intention to say, oh, I'm going to kind of fool people with this? I guess that was the intention. But again, I didn't know so many people would see it. And so I, it's like, obviously, my friends knew I wasn't that guy's wife. And so yeah. I never intended. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if people put things out. I'm sure some people do. But I don't think that people put things out and intend for it to go viral. Because what I've learned is the things that I do now that I'm like, oh, this will be the one that really hits that, you know, it never hits. So um, no, it wasn't my intention. I just I thought it was funny. And and I guess I can see where people think I'm actually the people I'm saying that. I am, but I, I think those are the people who just maybe read the headlines of articles, you know, and you probably get this a lot, right? They just read the headlines and they get mad about it and they send you an angry email. And with my videos, I feel like they hear my voice and I'm talking like this and they're like, oh, she's an idiot. And then they tell me to go die. <laughs> so, And you've said you've actually, you get more hate from the left than you do from the right because you're it's playing these these uh, MAGA, you know, right-wing people, right? Yeah, I would say 90%. I do get some from the right when they figure it out and they're like, oh, you think you're funny, Blaine? You're not. I got that one this morning. Yeah, Delete Blaine. your account, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but most of it, yeah, is from the left and it, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. 
hurts. I didn't mean for it to be a social experiment. I say this all the time, but it has turned into that where it's like, guys, we have to be smarter than this. We mm-hmm. have to be. Yeah. This is how we got <laughs> yeah. here. Come on. Yeah. You're like trying to prove a point with the videos. So I think, you know, there's this, you're sort of among this group of people who quote came out of nowhere in the past year in terms of blowing up online and the pandemic. But I, I always wonder whether it feels that way for you. Cause it's like, you have been doing comedy for a while and you've been like trying to, you know, make it in this business. So what is that experience like of, of having people sort of, you know, pick you quote out of nowhere and, and where were you in your, in your comedy life and your, in your career when you started doing this? Oh God. Yeah. Um, well, I was doing stand-up comedy here in Atlanta and Atlanta has a great, I, I wouldn't call it underground, but maybe, you know, I mean, it's not LA or New York, but you know, people like Roy Scovel are coming out of Atlanta, Mia Jackson, Dulce Sloan, and um, some really talented people. And so I was doing the reps here and stand-up and I was doing okay. I mean, stand-up, I started doing because I wanted to be a TV writer and that seemed like the fastest, you know, course to a writer's room. Um, I never really wanted to be a road comic or even a stand-up comic for the rest of my life. Before that, I was doing improv. And so I just, the goal has always been to be in a writer's room, to be a showrunner and to perform as well. But I really love to write. And I mean, these videos, they're not improvised. I'm not that talented. My friend Kylie Brakeman is, I, I have to write it out beforehand, really? you know, and I improvise they feel, some They things. feel very improvised. I mean, they because I Thank think they you. feel very natural, which I'm sure is what you're going for, but... I, yeah. I try really hard to seem very natural. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very hard. But um, so I was just, you know, I was working on pilots. I was just trying to write when I could. And I was also writing for my for work. I worked for this clickbaity sort of like chum box website <laughs> that uh, paid the bills. But I was writing things like what the Kardashians eat in a day and, um, you know, soul sucking stuff. So <laughs> that's where I was. Did you learn anything doing that work, even if it was soul sucking? I mean, about because it is it does teach you a lot about what goes viral, what people attach to. And, yeah. and um, you know, cause I've, I, I like to think that I've moved beyond that, but I've done a lot of that type of uh, stuff in my career as well. Yeah. You know, you're right. I've never thought of it like that. Um, because those articles are designed at least, I mean, the, the writing, it had to be very well sourced, you know, it wasn't complete bullshit, you know, it had to, we had to have our facts right. But the headlines though, yeah, which is why people headline. click, That's, it's all uh, about the headline. I know. It's like, you could spend probably like 90% of your time on the headline and it would be more effective use of your time in, in some so of these much, jobs. Yeah. So much <laughs> science went into the headline and you're right. Cause when I post a video now, I do find myself, you know, it, it used to be like, I'm so-and-so and I have something to say, but now I have to be like, Oh, somebody just posted this on Facebook. Like I have to tweak it some, you're right. Wow. I'm horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. No, but I mean, the, the, those, those things do, yeah, do teach you a lot about <laughs> what, you know, there's a, there is a science to it in a bizarre way. Yeah. In terms of, yeah, what people, will, what people will click on and even, you know, the, the combination of the image and the words and what, you know, and all It's all that. about that thumbnail. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'll be thinking about that tonight as I fall asleep. So I'm interested in the process of making the videos because I, yeah, I mean, I didn't realize that they were scripted watching them, but there's also, you know, clearly a lot of um, editing and jump cuts and kind of, so is it something where you're filming for a much longer period and then you're they're trimming it down? into the, you know, minute, minute and a half that you're posting on Twitter? Yeah. So I will, it usually, it never takes me more than like 30 minutes to make a video. And so when I write, I'll just jot down, you know, ideas for jokes that I have. And I guess you could say some of it is improvised in the moment. If I say something that I think is funny, it'll stay in. But yeah, I just film a bunch of, I would say like 15 to 20 second clips and a bunch of them are clips I end up throwing away. Um, And then I just kind of splice them together. Jump cuts are everything. And I always feel so uh, bad for people I talk 
talk to who expect me to be very funny when they're talking to me because I don't have jump cuts. I can't, it's the edit is everything in these videos for me at least. And so, yeah, it's fun to play around. And I feel like you put a lot of thought into the endings too, because there's, they always end on a uh, kind of (laughs) awkward, uh, you know, cut or something that, that unexpected endings. I'm obsessed with endings. And I guess that's from, well, stand up and also improv, you know, because you always want to like end on a, you're like, and scene and you're running across the stage, Mm -hmm. you know, so I've got to tag myself out. But I I like to end on a funny note or yeah, unexpected, like you said, um, or in in the middle of a sentence, like the video cut off too soon and (laughs) you don't know what they're going to say next. I don't have anything planned, but um, (laughs) yeah, that's always an easy way out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, you talked about the, the, the wife of the Costco guy was sort of the first time that you thought about these characters who are like sort of fictional characters adjacent to real life characters, I guess you could say. And it's kind of moved on to, you know, Tiffany Trump's friend was one that I, that really stood out to me that I love. Um, Tiffany's like my best friend. We met like three months ago at this club I used to work at in Jacksonville. And over the weekend, she was like, hey, do you want to come to my dad's house? We're having, a, what does she call it? We're, ha- we're having a coup. And I was like, sure, you know. Cause I grew up poor. I've never been to like a, a, like a rich person party. And I was like, I'd love to go to a coup, but we've been here for like five days and the coup has not happened yet. And like, um, the stuff that has happened is like pretty, I don't know, like not okay. Was that sort of an innovation that you, that then you latched onto and said, you know, this is, this is where this could go in terms of finding these, identifying these characters that are sort of next to people that we know? Yeah, it just seems uh, like the logical thing to do because I knew I wanted to keep making um, content. When you, when you go viral like that, I feel like your first instinct is to capitalize on it, you know, and make something else that's uh, really fun. And people seem to like that. Um, and, and for a while I was very formulaic about it. You know, each of my characters had to have like three kids with crazy names and, (laughs) you know, it it was, it was very formulaic, but I've been able to sort of, um, branch out. And I mean, like Tiffany Trump's best friend, I don't know if she even has one. And so it's (laughs) great to just, I pull them out of my ass sort of, and just, you know, and you can do anything. I, I was really limiting myself at first. So like, I've got to be a wife or a daughter and, you know, this person has to exist and I have to maybe kind of look like them, but it's fun to, to put yourself in the shoes of a person that might exist or these Republican men, they never let their wives talk. And so it's really easy to slip into. <laughs> so we'd never know what they look exactly. like. So they can all look like you for all we know. I mean, Tom Cotton's wife kind of does. And so, I mean, and, and that she's white. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, kind of. Like, we're very similar. Um, and she does not talk. I looked up every Tom Cotton video that I could find online when I was making the Tom Cotton's wife video, and she never says a word. And I was like, well, I guess I'm her. I'm, I'll be her spokesperson. And that was a lot of fun. I think that Tom's platform can be boiled down to one word, okay? And that word is fear. Tom is scared of women. He is scared of queer people. And he's scared of the song WAP. What does Tom love? Oh my gosh, what doesn't he love? He loves guns. He loves his children because they are boys. He loves history. He's a big history buff. Any Tom from 100 BC powder to, to nineteen nineteen. Basically, any Tom before women can vote, Tom loves that. Do you ever hear from the people or anyone who knows them or, or you know, that they're upset that you're impersonating their wives or daughters or, or has there been anything like that? Yeah. So um, I've gotten a message from the sister of a wife that I pretended to be Corey Lewandowski. How do you say his last name? Yeah, Lewandowski, you know, that, yeah. that guy. Um, so his wife's sister was like, she didn't do anything wrong. And, and I, tr- 
I tr- I'm like, I, I mean, but she's married to him. But also it's like, I never, tr- I try not to villainize the women that I'm portraying unless they're shitheads, you know, like Marjorie That's Taylor interesting. Green. Yeah. Because the, there is a kind of thing of like, um, like I know this gets talked about with Melania Trump a lot. And I actually, I, I interviewed um, Laura Benanti who plays uh, yeah. Melania on yeah. Colbert's show and she's fantastic. And, and she really makes a point not to turn Melania into a victim because she doesn't view her that way. And, but there, there's kind of like some of the characters you play could verge into victims or not. So is that something that you think about of like, are you making them sympathetic or not? I put, I mean, so with people who like Tom Cotton's wife or Corey Lewandowski's wife, or I'm trying to, I mean, Tiffany Trump's best friend doesn't exist, but um, you know, those women, I don't know anything about. And so, except that they're married to, you know, crappy men, but I try to make them because they don't have a voice really like a public voice or persona. I try to make them smarter than their husbands. Like, I'm always trying to, like, I like characters who are like, yeah, I know he's a shitbag. Let me tell you something crazier (laughs) about him. I love doing that. I love to kind of turn it on its head. But then, you know, people like Kelly Loeffler, Marjorie Taylor Greene. I I mean, I have no problem. If a woman is a bad person, then I'm I'm not going to play her as a victim ever. Like, but women can be bad too. It's 2021. We can do anything. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So we mentioned, you know, the Michael Moore thing. I would love to talk a little bit about that and sort of other similar instances that you've had. Um, I guess for anyone who doesn't know, can you explain what happened with with Michael Moore? (laughs) That's such a funny thing to say. Yes. Um, (laughs) So it was back in October and Trump had his rally in Omaha and he left that that group of people stranded out in the cold that took the bus to the rally. And I had been up all night. And so it was 5 a.m. And I saw it was trending on Twitter that these people were stranded in the cold. And I was just exhausted. But I was like, let me just go out on the porch and pretend I'm this person. And I thought that this would get maybe a thousand likes or something because it was five o'clock in the morning, which isn't prime time for posting. And these are all things when you get to be an internet person, you take into account it's sick mm-hmm. and it's stupid. Yeah. The time but, of uh, day is very crucial. Apparently. Yeah. But, it, but also oh, maybe not. It's, yeah. It really just depends. And so I I made that video. I woke up and it had gone super viral. But then the next day, I mean, after most people had figured out that it wasn't real, that it was me, he posted it um, and said said something like, you know, this is why Trump's going to win because these people, his supporters would walk 750 miles in the snow to see him. And and the quote was, I would walk 750 miles in the cold nip nude. And he left the (laughs) nip nude part completely completely out. Yeah, he just ruined the joke. He ruined the joke. And it's such a tell too. And I, and it sucks because, you know, I'm a person who is an old, I guess I'm an older millennial. I'm 29, but so I've enjoyed Michael Moore's work a lot, you know, as a very liberal person. And, and so it was funny. And I thought maybe he would give me like a shout out or like, oh, you got me, you know, but he left it up for four or five hours, which did help me um, in his defense. And then when he realized it trended on Twitter, it was, I think it was like number two trending on Twitter. Um, which was a crazy, <laughs> surreal experience. And it, m- mostly just people dunking on Michael Moore for just dunking being on fooled, Michael yeah. Moore. Um, and then he deleted it and never said anything about it since. Well, I guess um, he was embarrassed. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, it would have been so. Because I mean, other people did the same thing. Katie Couric did it with the same video, and she was able to be like, oh, "I'm just tired." And it's like, yeah, we're all tired. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you for thinking it's real. Just you know. Uh, but Michael Moore, I would love to talk yeah. to him one day. I know. About that. I, know. I, I, I was just thinking if I ever get the chance to talk to Michael Moore, I think that's going to be my first question is, uh, Please God. is getting, getting to the bottom of this. He would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. What? No, <laughs> no I don't feel like he abandoned us. No. Listen, I, I would walk 750 miles 
and below zero temperatures, nip nude just to hear him speak. Maybe that's not appropriate to say, but yes, I've seen some elderly people passed out um, and, and unresponsive, um, but to be honest, the only reason there's so many of, of those people is because the media keeps counting them. And so if, if people like you guys weren't counting the old people that were on the ground, there, there wouldn't be as many. That was pretty funny. So yeah, Katie Couric uh, also fell for one. Um, are there others that, that got less attention, but that you thought were funny that people... Uh... Oh, there have been so... Yeah, I can't even think of any specific people. Joy Reid. I mean, Joy Reid was, she was like, I'm pretty sure this is satire, but yeah. I'm just, you know, is it? <laughs> um, just different people like that. It's crazy the the kinds of people that it's reached. The most exciting thing is, I mean, Kathy Bates slid into my DMs, and I think I talked about this with Kevin uh, yeah. during the interview. That's just been thrilling to, to <laughs> she's, she slid into my DMs to tell me she enjoyed the Omaha video. And then uh, a couple months later, I was in the New York Times and she slid in to my dms again like an aunt and she was like i'm so proud of you oh, <laughs> it's like that's so sweet that's so sweet yeah so that's that's been really cool it's just wild i never expected any of it to happen so anything that happens it's just crazy did i did i read somewhere that uh stacy abrams reached out to you as well yes you did what, what did what did she what did she have to say so she reached out back in um september and it was whenever we were doing it was before the election and we had the ticket with leffler and warnock it, it was miles long right because anybody could run it was a special election and and matt lieberman would not get off that ticket and um joe lieberman's son anyway i made a video dunking on him and she messaged me after that just to say she was a fan and she asked me to work on a video about a uh, warnock and Austin races and just kind of explain to everyone why we're having two and why it's so important to pay attention to them. And so I, I made that explainer video and that was all Stacy and Nakima Williams, their That's idea. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's cool true. that you were able to kind of, you know, turn this, this following that you've, you've gotten for these funny videos into something, you know, sort of positive and, and proactive sure, yeah. in, in, your, in your home state time. of Georgia too. It was so exciting. Yeah. It's the timing of everything is, uh, it's pretty cool because I, I don't think, I mean, I'm not saying I helped at all but if i helped even a tiny little bit then i mean all you needed to help was a little bit it was, these races were so close it's like they were so close you don't yeah every little bit probably helps it was an honor yeah it was very exciting so i'm glad that and stacy abrams is my hero obviously so she liked one of my pictures the other day on twitter and i screamed i mean anytime <laughs> i see her name i just she's just so cool <laughs> what's it been like just living in georgia this last few months i feel like it's just like the election obviously you know ended for everyone except for everyone in Georgia. <laughs> it's it said bizarre to kind of just have it like dominate your life continually. Yeah, it was bizarre. It was it was exhausting. It was very exciting because it was like, you know, I was up on election night and I just remember tweeting. I was tweeting so much I didn't sleep and I was like Georgia's going to flip, we're going to flip and then we did and then it was like but it's not over yet and then so we had, you know, another month of people. The exhausting thing about it was people treating us like we didn't know that how important it was. Yeah, and so yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of messages from people like you need to be doing this, you need to be saying this. Um, uh, but it's just because they cared and I appreciate it. And, you know, it was a group effort, right? We had people from all over the country on those phone banks and sending money and we'll forever be appreciative of that. And so now it's it sucks because it's like we didn't even really have time to appreciate it. And then the insurrection and then Marjorie Taylor Greene. And so we're yeah, Georgia, Georgia still in the news with Marjorie Taylor Greene, I would say is going to be in the news for a while. Um, and yeah, as, as you 
mentioned, you know, you've now played, it's her daughter that you've played a couple times now. Her daughter. Uh huh. Yeah. So how did you decide that you wanted to play her daughter and who is her daughter to you in, in that character? <laughs> Well, because people kept asking me to play her and I was like, there's no way. You're <laughs> just, like, that's, that's not what I do. It's not what I do, first of all. Um, And so I just figured her daughter was just easy, you know, to do. I had to do something. I had to say something. And so um, and I didn't even I, I know now that she actually has two daughters, Um, but I didn't know that whenever she never <laughs> talks about her kids. <laughs> so, um, But she does have kids and that's terrifying. I'm so sick and tired of the left trying to cancel my mom, Marjorie Taylor Greene. I know there's this video today of my mom stalking and harassing David Hogg after the most traumatizing event of his life. But there's also a video of Hillary Clinton wearing a child's face while she sticks a straw in their vein like a Capri Sun. Just stabbing it around. And yeah, maybe it's not on Twitter, but you know where it is? In my mom's head. Yeah, it's just Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's just she's it sucks that she exists and that now people people are so excited for Georgia. Right. And they were all about Georgia. And now I just every it's not every tweet I see, but I am seeing a lot of tweets like, oh, well, that's Georgia. She's in bread backwoods. This is what the South will never change. And I'm like, you guys were just all on our balls like <laughs> a month ago <laughs> talking about how great like freaking was it Weezer made a whole cover album of Georgia songs. Yeah, Was that Weezer? I think so. I, so yeah. leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and she also is, you know, obviously just represents one district in Georgia, whereas the senators, you know, were elected statewide. Heavily so. gerrymandered district that she, any Republican that runs there is going to win, you know? And so, cause there, a lot of people are like, how could you elect her? And it's like, well, I'm, it's easy. That's why she moved there. She moved there because she knew she could get elected. I did see you, you retweeted someone who had, um, was trying to recruit you to run against her. Is that right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> if I stopped using the word fuck, they said that they you, would vote you might for be me. Able to do it. <laughs> I just can't. I can't. And I won't. Yeah, um, that would be I tough. That that would be a hard one. How can anyone not <laughs> be using the word fuck during this time? But no, I will not be running for office, um, especially not against Marjorie Taylor Greene. But she's going to she'll be out of there soon. Yeah, I do worry a little bit when I watch like our collective obsession with her right now that we're kind of turning her into the next Trump, like right before our eyes, because it's the same kind of thing where it's like all like talk about clickbait. It's like any headline with her in it is getting like tons of clicks in the same way that Trump was. And like, you know, the, you know, cable news stock everything to cover her speech from the floor and the way they, you know, covered Trump's rally. So is that something that you that you worry about at all? It is. It is. And that's why I, I, I struggle even posting about her, like making these videos on Twitter, because you don't want to give these people, we saw it happen, like you said. So, and she, you could tell that she eats it up as well, whenever she... She's loving it. She, gosh, she rounds a corner and the cameras <laughs> are there and it's like her catwalk. So... And she's got her new mask with some dumb saying on it. I got, who's making those masks for her? <laughs> Is what know. I have to know. The, the, tr the, the Trump mask. one mask was the best one. That was uh... <laughs> that was great. It's got to be some small town like monogram shop here in Georgia. I'm gonna find them. Well, that could be a character, the woman who makes uh, Marjorie <laughs> oh Taylor Greene's masks. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, you're 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 totally right. How did Blair inadvertently inspire Sarah Cooper to branch out beyond her Trump lip sync videos? The answer to that and more coming up next. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Do you know when Crystal Pepsi was discontinued? What was in Al Capone's vault? Or which famous meteorologist is Lenny Kravitz's second cousin? If not, then you haven't spent enough time on Wikipedia. But that's okay, because you can learn it all on the new podcast, WikiHole, from Smartless Media. Discover the craziest rabbit holes on Wikipedia with host and friend of the last laugh, Darcy Carden, and her favorite comedian friends, as they bring the cyber frontier directly to your tympanic membrane. And if you listen to WikiHole, you will learn that's the sciencey term for eardrum. WikiHole is a hyperlink roller coaster, starting out on one Wikipedia page and then going from link to link to link to link, careening through trivia, oddities, and unexpected connections until everyone wonders, how the hell did we get here? Follow WikiHole on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to WikiHole ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. If you're enjoying this episode of The Last Laugh, there are so many others you should check out. Over the past year, I've talked to a bunch of comedians like Blair, who managed to become famous during the pandemic by posting hilarious political videos online, including spot-on Trump impressionist J.L. Coven, and of course, the queen of Trump lip-sync videos, Sarah Cooper. Please make sure you are subscribed to The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts so you can hear everything from our free archive and be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Tuesday. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts to let us know how much you love the show. Now, back to my interview with Blair Erskine. So I pretty recently had Sarah Cooper on this podcast, and I don't know if you know, she actually gave you a shout out. Did she? Because I was asking her about how she's kind of thinking about moving on from Trump and she started doing some sort of, you know, front facing non lip sync videos that are really funny. And she said that you were actually an inspiration uh, to her for those, which I thought was pretty cool. Shut up. 
stop. Yeah. I'll cry. I love Sarah. <laughs> Sarah, I would I would be here without Sarah. She was again, we talk about people who retweeted that first video. Sarah jumped on it pretty quickly and has just been very supportive. Love love her. I'm glad she's doing that. I hate when people say that, you know, people they they prop, you know, they loved her, right? They love Sarah Cooper and then they're like, "Well, she's a one-trick pony." But she's not. She was doing stuff before this. Yeah, She'll do she's stuff really after funny. this. She's good stand up and yeah. Brilliant. She's so um, talented. So I mean, I kind of wanted to ask you the same thing because I it, have you thought about that at all or had to think about that in terms of with Trump gone not that your your videos were not as trump focused as hers but is that something that you you know think about like evolving your oh yeah your content with, mm-hmm. with trump more more out of the picture at least definitely because i mean the videos of mine that do do well are the ones where i'm using the accent and i'm playing someone maga adjacent and um i'm trying to wean my followers off of that you know it's a it'll be hard it's hard when you i don't feel like i pigeonholed myself um completely but i definitely don't I, I want to be able to leave this character and this like persona in the past, right? Because it's never what I wanted to do. And I (laughs) never, ever, and it's been fun, was not my goal. I mean, my goal has always been to perform and write. And so I'm, I'm so grateful I've had this opportunity and so many cool things have happened, but I, there's so many other things that I want to do and say and and write about and, you know, create. And so, um, I'm happy that he's out of office and I'm, I will be glad when these people are into the news so much and also liberals. And I say that like, I'm not one, I am, but it's, they're like, Oh, I don't know what you're going to make fun of now and it's like well y'all are pretty dumb too like we're (laughs) all pretty everybody does stupid shit so we'll always have people to make fun of but i I will be glad when it's not so it's like toxic it's just toxic the the mentality of these people i do wonder like if you played the wife or the daughter or whoever of a of a prominent democratic politician what would happen if if what kind of response it would get (laughs) they wouldn't like that you know i've i've spoken out against some people who are you know liberals and you know and people don't like it. And so it's, and that's fine because some other people do like it. Right. So I can't please everyone all the time. And that's just something I have to get used to, but I really never wanted to do political. I say that, but I, I've always watched the daily show and wanted to write for the daily show or for John Oliver. So, but, um, yeah, I will just be glad when I can write about something that's more personal and to, to me and something I want to write about reflective of my life and not the world at large, I guess. Is that still an ambition of yours to, to write for a, a late night show? Definitely. Yeah. I love late night TV. I grew up on, um, on Kimmel. That was my like late night host. I feel like everyone has one. That was mine. My dad used to let me watch the man show when I was a kid. (laughs) That was probably not a great idea. No, it wasn't a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) It's informed a lot of my (laughs) humor though. And, um, yeah, I love late night TV. It's very comforting to me. Um, is that, is that like actually something that's been in the works or have you been contacted I mean, by any of the shows or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I've been contacted by a couple and I've submitted packets and, you know, just because you go viral or people think you're very funny, it does not mean, you know, you're a shoe in for any jobs, which is something I learned <laughs> the hard way. <laughs> not that I thought it would, it would happen that way. You still have to do, you have to go through the same process as everyone else. But I have, you know, I've gotten a manager from all of this. I've gotten an agent, many agents. And they're working constantly and getting me auditions and, and writing submissions. And it's very, very exciting. Yeah. I've been submitting all over the place. It must be, it must be also hard to monetize something like this that is like, and frustrating to see something that gets millions of views, but that you're not really getting compensated for 
for it, right? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Because <laughs> <laughs> one time I, someone was arguing with me and they were like, what do you care? Like, you're famous and rich. Like, they implied that I was famous and and or rich and, and neither rich, of those yeah. things are true. And <laughs> Because, yeah, you can go super viral. No one's paying us for that. We are doing it for free. And uh, just because we like to do it, I guess, um, or we live for the validation, I'm not sure. But we still do. It's, it's addictive. It really is. It's And, you know, I feel like there are very few people who are going through this experience with you right now but my friend Kylie it, we kind of we, we went viral at the same time and we've been able to sort of commiserate because it's just uh it's poison because <laughs> you're just constantly like you I want to do better than the last one I did and if you don't you feel horrible and then it's like having a bad set at a stand-up show but I with things like cameo I've been able to make money which I hate I hate it because <laughs> I didn't I know you're on cameo I well I'm not right now I'm unbookable I made myself unbookable because it's just like you're pimping yourself out you're like, pay me, you know, this much money and I'll tell your friend happy birthday. And it just feels gross. <laughs> Have there been any uh, particularly weird ones or weird yes. cameo requests or anything you can share on that? Oh, yeah, sure. So <laughs> one time this guy was like, hi, I just want you to make a shout out for my wife. Um, she's having twins next week after a failed vasectomy. And I was like... <laughs> I don't think this is what she wants. <laughs> You're like, do you, you want the vasectomy to be part of the video or? Yeah. And I put it in there. That's one time I got one from this lady who she was like, you know, uh, I've got a big group of friends here in Portland. We've been friends for 18 years. She put all this information I didn't need. Um, and she was like, we have this many kids between us. Anyway, my friend Mark almost died last week. He had a heart attack and his kids found him on the floor. And thank God they did because they got him to a hospital. And this week he wiggled his toes. Anyway, can you make a video for him? He loved dark humor, say whatever you want. And so I put a lot of thought and effort. I got a whiteboard out for this video. I made up like some math problem. I, I put in the work and I mentioned his near-death experience because she put it in the cameo request. And when I sent it in, she was like, it was very inappropriate of you to bring <laughs> he, she, she was like, he, re he really did almost die. And I was like, yeah, I know that because you told me. <laughs> Why would you tell me? This is like tips for cameo people who are booking cameos. Only put in your uh, request what you want in the video. Just tell us what you want. Yeah, because I didn't need all. If you don't want me to say that, hey, you almost died last week. Please, God, tell me that. I ended up PayPaling her because cameo does not give them refunds. Uh, they'll give them like a cameo credit. Yeah, I think like it's like, kind of part of the deal. It's like you're you're putting the it in the person's hands to make the video. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I want, she wanted me to make another one and I didn't want to. And I was like, I'll just send you $40. How about that? <laughs> yeah, let's call it, call it even. Call it even. It was, it was horrible. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I have not, I haven't had a ton of experience with Cameo. I haven't, I haven't booked any of them for anyone, but uh, we have sometimes at our uh, office, they, when it's someone's birthday, they'll get a, a special, you know, Cameo from like Seb Gorka or Anthony Scaramucci or something. Oh and that's God, always Anthony really, Scaramucci. really hilarious. That's so funny. Yeah, I bet they'd be fun to give us pranks. And I like doing them. I just hate asking for money to then tell someone, hey, you know, because I I would do it for free if I could, but I still have bills to pay and Twitter does not pay you. No, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't blame you for doing it. It's smart. <laughs> That's good. What are the sort of the other things that you, now that you have, you know, had this experience of going viral and getting attention and getting agents and managers and everything, what are the things that you want to do? What are your ambitions? <sighs> Gosh, well, I, I mean, I want to write a TV show. 
I want to be in that TV show and also direct it. I think I have uh, control. <laughs> it seems like I have control yeah, issues. You want to control everything. Well, I guess, yeah, you're used to controlling the uh, the videos that you're making fully yeah. and editing and doing it all. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I like would imagine people. it would be weird to all of a sudden be like, you know, a hired actor and something and have no control over the final product. Yeah, just hand over the reins. That would be difficult. I studied film in college. And um, so I'm very interested in the, you know, behind the camera production, editing, obviously writing. So I, I just want to be able to write. I want to be able to write and I want to be able to write things, like I said, that are personal to me or reflective of my life or just things I find funny, like just wacky, weird things. I love how to John Wilson. I think you should leave is just a masterpiece. Like these are the things I want to do. Um, and so I just I'm trying to make that opportunity for myself um, to, to do those things as weird things with people that I find funny and without the sense of, you know, impending doom from everywhere. Right. Oh, be nice yeah yeah i mean it's not it's not the easiest time to break into show business when everything is kind of remote and shut sure, down and you it? can't travel and it's like it just must it's be hard. such a such a strange experience i know you say you're you're not you don't consider yourself famous but i mean it it's weird to gain some level of fame during a pandemic where you can't go anywhere or see anyone in person or make the kind of connections even that you normally would be able to. Yeah, it is strange. Um, I think I, so I listened to the first part of your podcast with Sarah Cooper when I was in the car the other day. Um, I didn't hear my shout out. That's so sweet. I love that you, came, Sarah. That came late in the episode. Yeah, so yeah. sweet. Um, Gotta listen to the end for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the car and um, she mentioned, and I say this all the time too, like this has happened inside of our homes, our apartments. Every big thing that's happened to me has happened like here at this desk on this computer. And so, and I, it's not like I get recognized because first of all, I, I'm nowhere near Sarah Cooper level, but also we're wearing masks when we go out and, and I haven't met my managers or agents in person. So, and so yeah, it feels like it's not real almost. It feels like a dream. Um, I'm just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, but also I, I, sometimes I just think about it and I get overwhelmed. Obviously it's very exciting, but it's, you know, none of this would have happened had this horrible thing not happened. And it's all very lucky, you know, that it happened at all. I've wanted this my whole life and it just wasn't supposed to look like this and it's the balance of feeling grateful and guilty yeah and pressure to capitalize on it i would imagine yeah a lot of pressure mostly from myself i think i'm putting a lot of pressure on myself but um yeah pressure to not fuck it up completely because i definitely can you know, it's very easy to and i um have yeah it's something i put a lot of thought into and i'm not gonna lie about that and just pretend that oh i'm just naturally funny and can attract the attention of you know <laughs> thousands that's not it's a very, you know, I, I tweet and delete and I make videos and I never post them. And it's all I'm trying very hard to <laughs> make this work for myself and make it into a career that, you know, could last for a long time because it's just it seems like a once in a lifetime opportunity. You yeah, know, it doesn't absolutely. happen all the time. Are there any other uh in terms of your own, you know, videos and stuff that you're putting out, are there other uh, characters that you've been kind of uh, percolating on or thinking about putting out in the world who are... Well, now I'm thinking about the mask lady. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking about Marjorie's mask lady. I'm going to take full credit for that one when that happens. I'll give you credit. You will not get paid, but I will give uh, you no, credit. I, I don't expect... <laughs> Um, no, I, cause it kind of, I, all of them are very, um, hot topics sort of for yeah, me, right? Yeah, moment, like yeah. inspiration. Yeah. And so I just kind of, I'll, I'll see what's trending that day. And if I feel like making a video about somebody, I will, um, no, but I don't have any characters that I just like have in my back pocket. I was never a character person. I, I always thought, and I still think that I'm not a character actor. I'm bad at characters. I have this one character that I can do. And people who say characters are very generous because it's just, <laughs> just the same person. It's just the 
the same person saying different things. <laughs> this is my one accent, my one character. And so I do need to expand on that. I need to sharpen my my skill set, I would say, if I want to be an actress, but which I do. But it's been great. I just kind of want to be able to be myself a little bit. And that would be cool just to be able to be myself a little bit, right? And people like me for just being myself because I can be funny when I'm not doing the voice. Um, and I, I want people to want to read and watch what I write in the future. So I think the character I'm working on is myself. Does that sound profound? That's so profound. That's like, yeah, that could be, that could be, the, that could be the clickbait headline right there. The character I'm, the character I want to be most is myself. Oh my God, Matt. Oh, I feel so <laughs> disgusting. But yes, use that. That's a good one. Yeah, that's good. The other video that I wanted to ask you about, just that I remembered that I love is the MyPillow infomercial. I quite enjoyed that one. And that one really feels like a larger sketch in some ways than, than some of these other ones. Yeah. Where it was like, it was really like a commercial parody sketch. How did that one come together? I love sketch comedy. I was early on the MyPillow thing. I will say, I don't want to brag, but... You're way ahead of the game on that. Now it's like everyone's MyPillow all the time but everyone's my pillow all the time i yeah i see these sketches pop up everywhere and that's fine but i will say i did it in august so i know you may have heard about my pillow on tv or on the internet but there's a lot that you don't know about my pillow that i want to share with you today the founder of my pillow mr mike lindell actually named it my pillow because it's made specifically for his demon body. And so it won't work as well if you have real human bones, flesh, or feelings. Something that's really cool about the My Pillow is Mike's patented fill that he puts inside the pillow. Now, what's cool about the fill is not only does it remember the shape of your head, but it records your nightmares when you sleep and whispers them back to you in the days to come. Now, how's that for pillow talk? Yeah, my dad gave me that my pillow because someone gave it to him and he was like, this sucks. And he gave it to me. <laughs> That's what I hear. I haven't, I haven't actually used one, but they, I hear they're quite bad. Oh, it's awful. Did you actually sleep on it? Yes, I slept on it for two years. Oh, two years. Because I... <laughs> I thought you were going to say like two nights. <laughs> no, I, you know, I didn't want to spend the time and money to to find a, a better pillow. And I was like, I mean, this has to be the best that it gets because this guy's on TV all the time. This was before I knew he was a piece of shit. But Gotta be a great pillow. I was like, yeah, maybe it's just I'm the problem. And then I made that that sketch. And thank you. I, I That's one of my favorites. It was fun to do. Um, This pillow company called One Fresh Pillow reached out to me and they are not paying me to do this, but they sent me pillows that have changed my life. One Fresh Pillow, they created this husband and wife. He's a chiropractor and she is, or maybe he's a massage therapist. Anyway, they're great. And they actually sent a bunch of pillows during um, when the National Guard was sleeping on the floor there at the Capitol. They sent a bunch of pillows to them. They're the best pillows in the world. One side is soft and the other side's a little bit firmer. So you can flip and flop. Listen, we're talking too much, Whoa. but please they, order one. Well, hopefully they hear this and they start sending me pillows. That would be good. They will. They'll send you a pillow. <laughs> they're, they're wonderful. Um, so yeah. Nice. Yeah. And then probably any other pillows fortunes are rising right now as my pillows fortunes are falling. I saw David Hogg was making oh, a yeah. pillow company. <laughs> Which is, was a little, that was a little like, really? That's what, that's what you want to do? <laughs> you can do, you have so much potential. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He sees, a, he sees a hole in the market and he's going for it. Going for it. But I will say one fresh pillow is already there. 
people should buy. <laughs> yeah, that that one was really funny. Yeah, so I think just as we as we get to the end here, um, I like to end the podcast by asking comedians about other comedians who really make them laugh, and I'd, I'd love to hear both someone who really inspired you either growing up or someone that you just that you loved who's really made you laugh harder than anyone else in your life, and then maybe a contemporary or somebody coming up now who you want to shout out and really draw attention to their work. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. So growing up, it was much my mom and I would just spend hours consuming. I feel like probably everyone says this, but Mitch Hedberg content um, on YouTube whenever it first came out. And yeah, I mean, he was probably Mitch Hedberg and Sarah Silverman um, were my first. They were my introduction to stand up comedy. And so and those are two good ones, I feel. So I'm glad they were my my intro. And then that was my childhood. And then you say somebody that just makes me laugh harder than I've ever laughed in my life. Gosh, that's a uh, well, John Mulaney, I love. He's probably one of my favorite. John Mulaney, Mike Birbiglia. I'm going to name a bunch of people, but I, I just, I really admire John Mulaney's, just the structure of his jokes. He's just a master joke writer. And I could just, I study his joke writing, when, especially when I was doing stand up. Um, I was just, and Maria Bamford is just my all time, one of my all time faves. And right now, um, gosh, there's so many, but so. My friend Kylie Brakeman is hilarious. And there's also this guy, Ben Marshall, who makes the funniest sketches I've ever seen in my life. His name is Ben Marshall. He has red hair. Please look him up on Twitter. He and his friends, they, they made the sketch where one of his friends got trapped in a TV. And I I can't even explain it to you. And they're so like, just, I mean, he they're like less than a minute long. I mean, just, they just, it's brilliant. I can't even describe them to you, but I'm begging you if you're listening to this right now, go look up Ben Marshall. He should have a show. It's very like Auntie Donna sort of um, wacky, weird, surreal weird sketches, stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very funny guy. That's awesome. Well, I really uh, enjoyed talking to you and I can't wait to see, you know, what, what comes next for you when we're all able to, you know, break out of our homes and, uh, and do more <laughs> than just post videos online. Um, so yeah, this was, this was really a lot of fun. And I, I, as I said, I love your work. Everyone at the Daily Beast is obsessed with you. So this was a blast. I love you guys. Thank you so much for having me. This is so, so much fun. Thank you. To burst your liberal spleens. Global warming is a hoax. COVID isn't real. My primary care doctor is Dr. Phil McGraw. Help. Thank you. Thank you to Blair Erskine for being my guest on today's show. She is so much fun and I'm pretty sure we're best friends now. Definitely give her a follow on Twitter at Blair Erskine, where you can see all of her hilarious videos and more. If you're enjoying The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at LastLaughPod on Instagram where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week for our 100th episode.
Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. Instacart for the win.